0: And all these legal af just like yelled at them right now. Like, Why did you shadow ban me? Why did you block me? You know, and then the Twitter executives were like, "Because legal you AF spread lie. COVID disinformation and you lied about the pandemic I mean, and I you spread like. Russian disinformation and you like stalked uh, survivors of school shootings and you praised Alexander. We, we can go on a list of the reasons. There are multiple <laughs> violations of
1: basic human decency. But That's it's what wild. you call a counterpunch." see, Here's the
0: thing, Popak. These MAGA Republicans, as I mentioned, probably inartfully, but perhaps humorously, or perhaps disgustingly in the intro, so I won't say it again, but they live in their own MAGA fascist bubble, where they go on Fox and OAN and all of these places, right, and they... Are given a softball like so. Tell me about the weaponization, and then they'll go. Well, the weaponization, and then Hannity or whoever will go. Yeah, these Democrats are despicable. You know, it's just disinformation right into the veins. But these people are idiots, and that's why they hate our court system, and that's why they lose all of their court cases. You know, usually where, especially where the court cases are tinged with, you know, their political conspiracies, um, is because they're not fact-based. This these committee hearings though are so incredible because you've got really intelligent Democrats, especially some of the new Democrats as well. Like you got Dan, you know Dan Goldman for example. Like you have former federal prosecutors. I mean Jamie Raskin, Harvard educated lawyer, Dan Goldman from New York, who was the first impeachment, uh, led the first impeachment uh, uh, hearing um, as counsel there and was a former federal prosecutor. You know, and then you got people like Comer and Boebert. And they think they're having these Perry Mason moments, right, where they're like, well, let me tell you this, you know, and, or, or Jim Jordan basically, you know, going wild with like his board. And then you have people like Katie Porter, like, you're a moron. Let me explain to you why you're a moron. Huh. Um, and Democrats basically showed in all of this that MAGA Republicans are doing everything they're accusing Democrats of doing, which Democrats are not doing, the MAGA Republicans are doing. Like, they had to take breaks, these MAGA Republicans. I've got to go to the restroom. But we saw, oh, like, yeah. a really smart and sharp Democratic Party, you know, really punching back. Tell us about these hearings, Popak.
1: Well, first of all, um, if we're going to talk about weaponization, let's talk about it in a good way. Hakeem Jeffries, in a masterstroke, for <laughs> just the right people, Who are so much brighter than their counterparts that are chairing and co-chairing, and the majority on these committees? I mean, they learn. The Democrats learned from the Jan. 6 committee the following lesson: don't do what the Republicans did, which was to try to take the ball and go home because there's another ball and the game was still being played. And so that didn't work. That just left them on the outside, not being able to do daily press conferences or in real time push back against the Jan. 6 committee. Jefferson, you know, um, I in, in working with his counterpart. McCarthy is like, okay, I get five people there. Okay, here's what I'm going to put on:
2: okay, okay. Jamie
1: Raskin, Thank Dan you. Goldman. Dan Goldman, former uh, senior counsel, legal counsel for the uh, impeachment manager of the House in the Ukraine impeachment. Who knows more about things related to Ukraine? Donald Trump's corruption related to Ukraine and Joe Biden in terms of having any kind of, of uh, veracity or credibility than Dan Goldman. Dan Goldman or the chairman from Kentucky, Jim Comer, whose who's big claim to fame and big focal point for his entire hearing was to have the New York Post, this is their great scheme, the New York Post, which, let me just tell you, so you don't work in and around the world. The New York Post is not the paper of record. It is not a place where you go for breaking investigative journalism. Although it was founded by Alexander Hamilton, little-known fact, it has never won a Pulitzer Prize or any prize for investigative journalism ever in its history. This is not where you go for that. You know what you go for? I go for it. You go for the sports section. But you don't go for, like... Headline Hunter Biden's laptop. This is how they drove the drive the messages. So let's start with Dan Goldman versus Comer, which is the bathroom break one that you talked about. And I did a little bit of a hot take on it. Comer starts with let's talk about corruption and Biden. And here's the equation that Comer set up, which each piece is factually true. It just doesn't lead inexorably to the conclusion that he's making that Biden, Joe Biden is tough. He said, it's, it's a fuck. Joe Biden met with an advisor to the uh, Burisma Oil Company, which is where Hunter Biden was on the board for $50,000 a month. That's all a fuck. And then, after he met with the Burisma advisor, when he was vice president in 2016, of like, okay, yes. Then, he, he worked to fire the prosecutor, the lead prosecutor in Ukraine, because he was getting too close to Burisma and not going to the, the Biden family okay, stop. Joe Biden's very public about that sort very transparent about it. What do you can say about Joe Biden? It's 50 years in office. He was the youngest senator we've ever elected and the oldest president. Okay, you may not like Joe Biden, but not on our street, but in general, yeah. you may not like Joe Biden. But but he's not corrupt, and and he's very transparent. He's not a black box, if you will. So he was very public about this. He did meet with the Burisma advisor. He was the vice president at the time. By the way, vice presidents don't set policy. Little known fact, the Republicans seem to forget. He was the ambassador, if you will, the vice president, for a president called Barack Obama. So whatever Barack Obama's policies were, that's what Joe Biden was out doing. So he met, in, he met with Burisma, and yes, he did, yes, it's will admitted. it. He, he, he put pressure on Ukraine to fire that prosecutor. Why? Because the British, the allies, the International Monetary Fund, all wanted that prosecutor uh, removed because of correct. corruption that he was not pursuing, the opposite of the argument or the narrative by the Republicans. It's because the guy wasn't chasing crime that they wanted him removed. It's just, look, Ukraine's got that problem right now. You know, Zelensky's still dealing with major corruption, and he's just firing people in his cabinet left and right because of it. It is a problem endemic to Ukraine, and it has been going on for quite some time, including in 2016. But every one of our allies and every one of the NGOs, the non-governmental organizations like the IMF, wanted this guy gone because... They didn't say he was corrupt, but he wasn't pursuing corruption, let's leave it at that. Not because he was going after for and getting too close to the Biden family. So Dan Goldman says, all right, everything you just said, Mr. Comer, about this link between the prosecutor and Joe Biden, all this, it's 100% categorical And then, then he leaned back. It's like the Roka joke rope that Joe Biden did at the, uh, at the State of the Union. He leaned back, and he let Comer lean in. And Comer leaned in and said, oh, uh, is the problem. You know, they always have this job. Ceremonial uh, Kabuki theater when they're in the when they're in the house. Is the fine gentleman from New York sure about that? <laughs> and then Goldman just unleashed his right hand onto Comer and said, "Yes." Basically, there's one person in this room, and it's not you, Comer, who knows more about Trump, the corruption of Trump and Ukraine, and the, and the whole Biden issue than me, because I was the lawyer for the House House impeachment managers. About Ukraine, so he pulled out his pad. He said, "Let me read you all the conclusions that were reached based on the facts, including the we, we have forgotten about this because there's been so many other crimes committed by Donald Trump. one are the original crimes? The quid pro quo, yeah. where he tried to force then newly elected President Zelensky into opening a thank you, opening a prosecution against Joe Biden and against." um a hunter biden in Burisma, or he wouldn't give him the 400 million dollar aid package and that is the reason you know we already had it's a friend of the show he's tested, he's been on the show with you and the brothers lieutenant, lieutenant colonel Vidman testified he as soon as he heard that quid pro quo he went and raced and reported it as a violation of law and that's one of the reasons of the many that trump got impeached so dan goldman said sure let me lay out my case. This is another example of the Republicans, too smart by half, leading with their chin and getting knocked out by a counterpunch by a very prompt and ready to go set of Democrats. So that went really terribly. So terribly that Comer, when he got punched in the face, said, Oh, I think it's time for a bathroom break. He literally took a bathroom break, which is like, you know, the tennis wow. player that's getting his ass kicked and has to take a 20-minute bathroom jump. break to kind of change the, uh, the way me. the game is going. And, going. and they came back and he moved on to, wow, other, so to other topics. And, and, I, and we joked You're about this. Awesome. You know he doesn't need this job but does it so masterfully as a patriot? Dan Goldman. Dan Goldman is one of the wealthiest congressmen or congresspeople in, in the House. He is an heir to the Levi Strauss, Levi Jeans fortune. His great-grandfather founded levi's he's worth 250 million dollars he doesn't need this mm-hmm. he does it for a reason the same reason you and i do it because we're trying to protect democracy and if they thought letting some democrats out of the panel that 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 were handpicked by hakeem jeffries they'd be able to control the narrative it's going terribly for the republicans you want to know what winning looks like this is winning from the minority position of the Democrats. And you got the same problem on the Twitter side then. What did you think about the Twitter executives, basically, as Jamie Raskin said, confirming there was no collusion between the administration and Twitter, that Twitter, for its own self-interest and its own survival instinct, decided not to run certain stories because they were misinformation. In fact,
0: if there was any administration trying to influence Twitter, it was the Trump administration consistently over everything, over almost any insult that came Donald Trump's way. One of them was a Chrissy Teigen insult, where Trump had the government demand that Twitter take down a Chrissy Teigen post because she called him a mean name. And so, again, Everything that Trump accused and everything MAGA Republicans accused Democrats of, there's not only no evidence to support it, but all of the evidence is that the MAGA Republicans were doing it. In fact, what we learned from the Twitter hearings is that the Twitter actually, because the MAGA Republicans try to basically like play the reps right and try to intimidate the reps so that the reps can you know you know rule in their favor, Twitter changed a lot of its existing policies to not remove Donald Trump and other MAGA Republicans because they violated the decency policy so much that Twitter's like, we have to make exceptions for it because these are government officials. So they actually went out of their way to Allow things that were per se violations of Twitter policies. And these aren't conservative ideas. That's why I say never call these MAGA Republicans conservative. It's not like they're being removed from Twitter because they have a certain view about economic policy or tax cuts. These are maniac human beings who are attacking survivors of school shootings. These are maniacs who are defaming victims of school shootings, these are maniacs spreading COVID disinformation, these are maniacs who are platforming Vladimir Putin conspiracies. These are maniacs who are saying horrific and racist things. And if anybody else said it, they should be removed from a platform. Like, could you imagine people talk about, oh, Twitter is a town square? You know, Marjorie Taylor Greene enters into the town square and starts saying all of the things she says on Twitter. Oh, wait a minute. She does. She does do that now in the House of Representatives. We saw her dress like a spy balloon. And this isn't me making fun of her outfit. This is what
1: her team this said. Was the, this was the feather boa outfit?
0: Yeah, her own office said she wanted to dress up like the Chinese spy balloon. And then she proceeded to yell the whole time. And these MAGA Republicans yelling at President Biden's most incredible speech I've ever seen in the history of of like states of the union speeches as he just did exactly what the Democrats did here in these committee hearings. You kinda of, and because these mega Republicans though they also underestimate Democrats, and why I said in the front, like, they think their shit don't stink, or I called it their fascist farts, or whatever I called it, though, <laughs> it's because they live in their own echo chamber, which is not a world of decency. In a world of decency, you say any of these things at a corporation, you get fired. It's big big company, small company, nonprofit, And not because you're getting canceled, it's because you're a raceful, you're hateful, sane. bigoted conspiracy theorist, and, and that's not a way you can work. With individuals and human beings, you, you're acting like a basement dwelling 4chan conspiracy theorist Nazi in public. Yeah, you should be fired. That's not being canceled. That's being held accountable. That's what's
1: <laughs> how ben, That's how they got elected. That, that's their constituency. That's what and, they run on. So, of course, they're going to act like that. But, well, the, you know, you said you, just one thing about the speech. Yes, he gave a great speech, Joe Biden, certainly one of the more memorable ones. But he was best on his feet when he rope a them at the end to get the Republicans to commit to Medicare and other social safety net things because they weren't expecting that he would have the ability off the cuff to ad-lib as effectively as he did. He lured them in to a trap that they didn't see coming because they're so busy, it's so easy to sit in the back like you're you know, a sophomore in high school and you don't like the show that's being put on the stage. Liar. And then he's like, oh, <laughs> really? Let's talk about that. But off script, which is where I know I talk to people about this, and I know his handlers were probably getting white-knuckled at that moment, but he was the best off script. If you don't think an 80-year-old has the vim and vigor to run for office and re-election, you haven't met Joe Biden.
0: Yeah, and you saw these MAGA Republicans exposing themselves at the State of the Union, exposing themselves at these committee hearings. Again, every accusation was something that they did. And in that format, Democrats are just crushing them. They might as well have been Democrat hearings showing what maniacs the MAGA Republicans are to the country. How incredible was that to see? We also broke some news here on the Midas Touch Network. You know, I have that show with the. It's called Political Beatdown that I do now with uh, Michael Cohen. We do it it. uh, live Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 Eastern, and then Thursdays as well, 9 a.m., 12 uh, Eastern, uh, morning and early afternoon if you're on the East Coast. And look, I mean, to have, one, Cohen's become like a great friend of mine. I love Cohen, um, and I think that, his maya culpa and something that's going to go down in history, and how he now speaks the truth and stands for good is something that I think is is great. He's also breaking news, and he's the key witness in a lot of these cases right now that are taking place against Donald Trump. So he told us he was going to be speaking with the Manhattan DA. Alvin Bragg's investigation is heating up. One way we know Alvin Bragg's investigation is heating up is that Cohen keeps on testifying there. So the fact that Cohen's now met. This was the second time he's met with Alvin Bragg. It's 15th overall, and he told us he'll be meeting the 16th time very soon with Alvin Bragg. To me, I could tell you with, not because Cohen said anything, if you just analyze what Alvin Bragg is doing, that the timing of the grand jury, if I didn't even know Cohen, the <laughs> fact that Cohen keeps on showing back up, that Alvin Bragg indictment I believe hits before the summer but Alvin Bragg is definitely going to be indicting Donald Trump individually and it Pranoid. could be it could be more I hope it's more than just the Stormy Daniels uh Donald Trump's paying hush money to a porn star who he uh had sex with while his wife was pregnant this is the MAGA Republicans uh person but covering that up having Cohen pay, writing it off the way Trump did as a legal expense. Um, It's kind of a slam dunk, you know, I guess there's no case that's a slam dunk case, but it's a very strong case. But I I hope that there's more to the case as well than just that one charge, but he's going to be indicting Donald Trump. I I have no doubt about it. Anything else you want to add, Popak, about Cohen?
1: I think they, well, not about Cohen. We've talked about it in a number of places, but I I think Alvin Bragg needs one more piece of the puzzle, one more Thing to fall into place one more shooter drop before he indicts and he's he's holding out hope of hope that the continued squeezing of alan weisselberg sitting 12 miles away on rikers island from the manhattan da's office is going to bear some more fruit he needs i believe he needs alan weisselberg in a courtroom uh not for the indictment maybe for the indictment no the indictment he probably could get to be honest you probably get the indictment right now if Michael Cohen testifies, and you know, all signs are that he's being primed and prepped to go into the grand jury, I mean these are nice meetings. Michael gets a report about them on your show, and we—I've watched the recent one where he even talks about what he talked about, which is interesting. But having said that, um, he's got to go in. It's not enough. You can't indict. Um, without him going into the room and giving that uh, some version of his testimony to a grand jury, a special grand jury of 23 people sitting in Manhattan. I believe they need Alan Weisselberg for a number of reasons. We, we like Michael a lot, but he comes with some baggage as a witness um, because of his prior convictions and his prior felonies. And so Alan Weisselberg, also a convicted felon, um, is the other end of it, puts it inside the Trump office um, at that very time. So Michael. As we know, set up an LLC, a company, because Donald Trump told him to do it. Paid hit money that looked like it was his own money through that company to Stormy Daniels and to others, um, and then got reimbursed as legal expenses or legal retainer on the books and records of the company. Um, that would have gone through Donald Trump and Alan Weisselberg, according to Michael Cohen. I, you're never going to get Donald Trump to testify. I think you need Weisselberg. I don't at a trial. I don't think they get a conviction. Of in the Stormy Daniels matter, just with Michael Cohen. That's I. You may not agree with me, but I believe there needs to be a, a, one more witness to corroborate and to kind of rehabilitate Michael when he's invariably cross-examined on some of his credibility issues.
0: Yep, we will keep you posted there when uh, we get more information there. And finally, Popak, I want to talk about Dominion's one point six billion-dollar defamation lawsuit set to go to trial mid-April. It's right around the corner. There was a status conference this week. You did a great uh, breaking news hit on what took place there. Seems that Fox is not being that forthcoming with its documents would be putting it as an understatement. But what we do know already, though, is like Dominion's now got the deposition of of Murdoch and Lachlan and Murdoch's so Rupert's son, Rupert. All of the executives at Fox, they've gotten those depots, all of the key anchors, and they all knew. None of them believed Donald Trump. Um, They they, they all were aware that this was a big lie, and that's what they privately testify under oath. I certainly hope Dominion does not settle this lawsuit, because I, I think it's important that we see Hannity take now. the stand, that we see Tucker take the stand, that we see these people. And I I, I do hope there's a camera in the courtroom. It's in Delaware Superior uh, Court, so I don't know their rules about cam. I'm sure the media will petition, but I, I hope there is transparency. So far, I don't like that the judge has kept a lot of things under seal and confidential. And I know it's a high profile case that I don't think should be confidential and and, and under seal. I get that there are prominent things in the case, but I still think that there should be a public access to these files. It's not proprietary information emails uh, by people like Hannity and Tucker Uh. and people showing that they're spreading disinformation. I think that needs to uh, see the sunlight. But tell us about why Fox is doing more than just not wanting existing documents to see the sunlight, but look like they're trying to intentionally destroy or spoliate
1: records. Yeah, so let's let's frame it first. We're in the Delaware Superior Court, not the Delaware Chancery Court of Equity, that you and I often talk about, like when Elon Musk had his lawsuit in Delaware, that was in a different courthouse. I will tell you that practicing trial lawyers like me like the Delaware Superior Court to go try cases. It's a very favorable place for a plaintiff and a plaintiff's lawyer overall. It's often referred to a little bit as the wild, wild west. And Eric Davis, who's the judge presiding over it, who came out of an old firm a firm that I used to work with back when I started my career, is just trying to get this case ready for
2: trial.
1: And I think one of the reasons he hasn't um, as of yet, strip the sealing the off the S-E-A-L, the seal off documents, and let them go into the public. And I'll tell you where the fight is right now, that news media is trying to get to certain documents, which is different than the the, the, the topic of the segment, or the main topic of the segment is. Fox News is still hiding documents on, on uh, personal servers, on hard drives, um, and board minutes two months from trial, which I got to tell you is <laughs> supremely unusual that they're still arguing two months from trial about so many categories of documents that Fox News hasn't turned over. Now, Dan Webb, mm-hmm. the trial lawyer, kind of infamous, trial, famous trial lawyer, brought in by Fox News late to try the case when it, when it looked like it was, there wasn't going to be any settlement, he said, Well, you know, we're. Both sides have that problem. Uh, I just got 70,000 pages of damages documents from the other side. So, Judge, we're both doing it. But, you know, that kind of whataboutism usually does not fly in a courtroom. Like, well, we did it, but what about what they did? That's not why we're here, Mr. Webb. We're here about why isn't your client two months from trial and after the close of discovery, close to the close of discovery, (laughs) Process? Why haven't you turned over the do- these key documents? Where are they? And if they're missing, as as you said then earlier in the show, then we have destruction of evidence, or what we call in the business spoliation, which is a whole nother hornet's nest that you don't want to open. If you're uh, the Fox News, they better hope they still have and have preserved the documents that are missing. And what God. we're not really talking about is a failure to properly preserve uh, destroyed means... documents, because that is a whole nother world. They yeah, do not talk want about to be that. Two months from trial.
3: Poke and up, on the ba- you know,
1: the judge is doing a, a, a balancing act. He knows there's going to be a jury. He knows the jury's going to be picked in about two months. And I think he's concerned that, with the, that so much got filed by both sides under seal, both sides. The thing that the newspapers and media companies like NPR, New York Times, and others are going after is that there were competing uh, motions play. that were filed about two or three months ago. Fox Corporation and all the Foxes filed a motion to dismiss the lawsuit, but, but attached almost like in summary judgment format, like looking for a final judgment on the pleadings without having to go all the way to a trial, thousands and thousands of pages of, of documents, emails to show, and, and just to put it on the table, the fight in this defamation libel
2: case for $1.6 billion is not whether these things got talk comma can you please please ha 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 talk more uh oh. <laughs> please please uh <clears throat>
1: said on the air by the, you know, the uh, Jeanine Pirro's, Bartiromo's, Tucker Carlson's or Hannity's. They said it. They said the Dominion voting machines had software that flipped votes from, from Trump to Biden, created for the Venezuelan election process by the Chinese. I mean, it was crazy stuff. It got said on the air on their shows. But if it didn't get said with what's called actual malice, a legal term, meaning the person that said it, one of these commentators, knew that what he was saying or she was saying was false or with reckless disregard as as to whether it was true or false, that gets you, that's jackpot, that gets you defamation of a a company uh, by Dominion because media companies want to always hide behind the First Amendment. Everything that's protected by the First Amendment, which is true up to a point, and that point under a line of cases we call New York Times v. Sullivan, actual actual malice so that's the fight what did people know at the time that they made the statements on air it's already been leaked that Hannity never believed the big lie it's a big surprise yet promoted it and pushed it frequently including against Dominion voting systems on his show if that's true that is an element a badge of actual malice for Fox to put on in front of the jury and so They filed that motion to dismiss with all those documents, uh, Fox. But the plaintiff filed a motion for summary judgment saying we don't even need a trial judge. All of these facts are stipulated or are not disputed. And based on this, we've proven actual malice. We don't even need a jury trial. And to do that, they had to attach all of these documents stamped confidential by and sealed by Fox. So, so, of course, that's like amazing fodder for the media companies. They want to get their hands on all these filings and all these attachments so they can do reporting. But the judge is balancing that against I'm picking a jury in about two months. And I don't need this case tried in The New York Times, NPR or the Midas Touch Network.
3: <clears throat> <clears throat> I have not Fearful atomic energy. No one can stop time. While we stand aside, and look, some says just about me. Popock, there's Popok, I might as touch everything I touch, don't go, I saw.
2: three more people, <clears throat> Pelosi, oh. Everything I, touch, touch,
3: girl, I Right. So it's almost over network.
0: Popeye, great analysis, but we're definitely gonna be covering it on the Midas Touch Network when the trial happens. When the trial happens you're not gonna be able to keep that stuff secret anymore. Um, And I think sunlight's the best disinfectant to fascism, and that's what we do here on the Midas Touch Network, bring sunlight here, uh, whether it's on the Legal AF show, the Midas Touch Brothers show, political beatdown, or any of our other programs, the weekend show. Um, I can go on and on and on, but we got to speak truth to power. Oh, the, the new show that we got on the network, Majority 54. Um, with uh, Jason Kander and Ravi Gupta. A lot of programming here. Midas Touch Network is is expanding. We're on our way to one million subscribers, so if you have not subscribed yet, make sure you hit subscribe now. If you've not seen Killing County on Hulu, make sure you check out Killing County on Hulu right now about the crime corruption cover-up all taking place in Bakersfield. It's a true crime series, but highlights the crime cover-up corruption in Bakersfield. Kevin McCarthy's district so check that out and let me know what you think about killing county it's a
2: big hit right now on who so it's doing really 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 well it's really a,
0: a i think it's i think it's really well done and i think you will um, uh, feel very strongly after watching that 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 there needs to be some change uh, in place and also what a hypocrite Kevin McCarthy is and all these MAGA Republicans are also make sure you subscribe to legal AF on audio so wherever you get your audio um, search legal AF subscribe to the audio podcast of legal AF leave a five-star review it really helps with the algorithm so just search legal AF and uh, and make sure you hit subscribe leave a review we would appreciate if you subscribe to the channel right after this video ends. It just takes a few minutes um, to do. Check no, out com for the best pro-democracy gear. Uh, like That's store.mitistouch.com Get your Legal AF shirts as well as all of your Midas Touch gear, including Convict or Convict 45 shirts. And check us out at patreon.com slash Midas Touch, dot com slash Midas Touch. We have a lot of exclusive content on our Patreon site, but most importantly... When you become a member of our Patreon, it helps grow this independent media platform. We're not funded by any outside investors. We're 100% independent, 100% accountable to you and you alone. That's our model. To do that, we have this membership uh a plan over at uh, patreoncom slash touch. Don't worry, it doesn't affect any of the content we do on YouTube. But if you can become a member, check out the exclusive content there. And, uh, and and join right now. Until next time, I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. As always, Michael Popak, I love spending the weekend with you. I love sharing this Legal AF program with the world. And also wanna say thank you to all the Legal AFers, everyone in the Midas Touch community, all of you watching, all of you listening, none of this is possible without you. We love, we love, love, love the Midas Touch community. Um, so make sure you go out there, take these messages and spread Democracy around the world. We'll see you next time and a special shout out to Trista. The Midas Mighty.
3: That's me. Represents. Proud producer. It's a position paper, basically. Or I write like a position paper every day. <clears throat> Politics. It almost always, uh, course. Pretty much always has to have a call to arms, so to speak. Not literally, like these motherfucking insurrectionists tried to do. I mean, they had to sharpen fucking flagpoles to use as a spear. Fuck stakes. Instead of gallows in front of the Congress, you guys are fucking idiots. You let them get away with it for so long. <clears throat> Jimmy Raskin takes brilliant shot at Marjorie Taylor-Agrina. Oh my God, I heard he has cancer. I feel terrible
4: about that. Do you own your home in Arizona, but still rent your electricity? If you pay more than $50 a month in electric- On January 6 2021, hundreds of Washingtonians serving as Metropolitan Police Department officers the Capitol Police officers and many others defended the Capitol with their bodies and their lives while out-of-state insurrectionists and coup-plotters and cop-haters descended on the Capitol to attack us. Washingtonians acted to save the very Congress in which they still have no voting representation at all. You talk about patriotism, that's patriotism. But if they didn't try to violently overthrow the government and install a dictator, what did they do that's gotten everyone in the majority so upset with them that they want to overturn their local laws for the first time in more than three decades? Well, it's simple. They exercised their rights under the First Amendment, the Ninth Amendment, and the Tenth Amendment by speaking, assembling, organizing a statehood constitutional convention, and then submitting a petition for redress of grievances and for admission as a state to the Union. They did what 37 states have done successfully before them. They tried to get Congress to use our powers under Article 4 to end their second-class status and disenfranchisement by admitting That's... them on an equal footing with the original 13 states. And this is apparently what has set the majority off. In the last two Congresses, in 2020 and 2021, the House voted to approve Washington's <clears throat> petition for admission to the Union as a state, bringing Washington that much closer to the plane of equality in the union. D.C. statehood did not make it through the Senate in either case, but that provisional defeat for the people of Washington is apparently not enough for the new majority, which shrewdly understands that most statehood drives take many years and that D.C. statehood is picking up a lot of momentum. So the new majority has been constructed with votes of a a lot of MAGA members, uh, (laughs) like Representative Green, uh, who told us in the oversight committee the other day (laughs) that the major civil rights issue She sees in Washington today is the discriminatory mistreatment, not of Washingtonians, but of mega insurrectionists who are in jail for assaulting officers, interfering with the federal proceeding and engaging in seditious conspiracy, which means conspiring to overthrow the government of the United States. The people of Washington are now apparently being forced to pay the price for stepping out of line and simply demanding equal rights. The majority wants to teach them a lesson for talking about statehood and opposing insurrection. They want to turn the clock back on D.C.'s home rule power and relive the glory days when Washington was run like a colony by some racist Dixiecrats out of the House District Committee. Yes, that was my party in power then, and it was wrong then, and it's wrong now. Today, it's the GOP that's determined to put the people of Washington in their place. And make no mistake, it's not just these two laws that showed up today— without any hearing at all, without any analysis by the committee, they will be attacking Washington, not just for its local voting rights policies and criminal justice code, but for its gun safety policies, its defense of abortion rights and LGBTQ rights, its decriminalization of marijuana, and dozens of other issues potentially headed to the house floor, if we really wanna go down this road of becoming the super DC city council.
5: This is Jamie Raskin advocating for DC statehood while speaking at a congressional hearing regarding the role that Congress should have in overseeing DC's laws. And just as a quick note on statehood for DC, remember, we're talking about an area with 672,000 residents, which is more than the 647,000 residents of Vermont and more than the 581,000 residents of Wyoming. And not for nothing, but I don't think it's a coincidence that of those three places, The two that have white populations of over 90% have statehood, while the one with a 46% black population doesn't. And to further emphasize the point here, here's a clip of Jesse Waters from Fox News during the whole Balloon Gate episode, where he was trying to emphasize the fact that no one lives in these red states. Montana has
0: no one living in Montana. Alaska, even less people.
5: Not a great point if your argument is that D.C. isn't populated enough to have statehood. But then again, I'm not sure that Jesse Waters is known for great points. I should note that the House has twice passed a bill granting statehood for D.C., which wasn't taken up by the Senate, but has prompted Republicans to line up against the effort Mitch, bitch! And so now there's a whole gamut of excuses being thrown out by Republicans. sitting on that and hundreds of other bills. During the last debate on D.C. statehood in Congress. From getting to the Senate floor. Fuck up. Term limits. rounded working-class state.
4: I had no idea there were so many syllables in the word white. (laughs) One of my House Republican colleagues said that D.C. shouldn't be a state because the district doesn't have a land.
2: Recovery.
3: In anticipation of that, thanks.
2: Um... under the fourth. when because these old farts some are killing the hundreds of good legis bills that white men because they've had decades, literally decades to We are fucking cap.
4: My goodness, with all the racist trash my colleagues have brought to this debate, I can see why they're worried about having a place to put it. The truth is there is no good faith argument for disenfranchising over 700,000 people, Mr. Speaker, most of whom are people of color. These desperate objections are about fear. Fear that in D.C. their white supremacist politics will no longer play. Fear that soon enough white supremacist politics won't work anywhere in America. Fear that if they don't rig our democracy, they will not win.
5: Today, Democrats are standing up for a multiracial democracy. And then, of course, comes the originalism argument, always a predictable fallback for Republicans, who, of course, are very concerned with the strict interpretation of the Constitution, which is why they incited a coup against the Capitol on January 6th. They'll introduce the idea that the framers, the founders, didn't want DC to become a state. And so while it's easy to hide behind the framers in 2023 by pretending that we knew what their intentions were 250 years ago.
2: Jamie Raskin.
5: the benefit of being able to just read the constitution article one says that the seat of government of the united states must not exceed 10 square miles in other words it doesn't say where the capital will be nor how big it should be just that it'll be the seat of government and that it can't exceed 10 square miles in other words republicans are right that the founders did intend for the seat of government to remain a federal district But that doesn't mean that the area around it that comprises almost the entirety of washington dc can't be meaning everything other than the capitol the white house the supreme court and most federal buildings that's all that the seat of government is in other words as far as the founders are concerned statehood for washington dc is clearly constitutional and beyond that if you're really gonna throw around the framers i'm not exactly sure how that reconciles with the whole concept of taxation without representation Pretty sure the founders, of all people, had some pretty strong feelings about taxation without representation. Unless, of course, Republicans want to conveniently leave that part out while channeling James Madison here. And one more note on the framers. Our entire system is built to allow for change. The Constitution allows for amendments and has them. We have a mechanism to add states, and we have added states. The framers clearly knew that the Constitution would be a living, breathing document, and that the country would grow and evolve and the language in the Constitution bears that out. And Republicans generally seem to like that, considering a single day doesn't go by where they're not falling over themselves screaming out the Second Amendment. Although I guess the only changes to the Constitution that count are the ones that are convenient for Republicans. And finally, here's the argument that Republicans most like to surface, that DC statehood is a democratic power grab, as if history started today, as if we're not sitting in a country composed of states that were added for that express purpose of bolstering Republicans' numbers in the Senate. Heather Cox Richardson wrote a piece in The Atlantic a couple of years back and explained that, quote, In 1889 and 1890, Congress added North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, Washington, Idaho, and Wyoming, the largest admission of states since the original 13. This addition of 12 new senators and 18 new electors to the Electoral College was a deliberate strategy of late 19th century Republicans after their swing toward big business cost them a popular majority. The strategy paid dividends deep into the future, indeed, the admission of so many rural states back then helps to explain GOP control of the Senate today, 130 years later. And there's of course the fact that the Dakotas were split into two states for the express purpose of squeezing four senators out instead of two, and in case there was any doubt, it turns out that there were political implications taken into account. One of the most vocal supporters of the two Dakotas in the late 1800s was a Republican senator from Indiana who would later become the 23rd president, Benjamin Harrison, as if the benefits of adding two Republican states instead of one escaped a Republican president. And look, none of this is to say that both parties don't support or oppose whatever is good or bad for them at the time. But the simple fact is that historically speaking, Republicans actually made the argument for statehood already. And they continue to benefit from that argument to this very day. Admitting D.C. is not only constitutional, not only reasonable in terms of population size, but the GOP quite literally did the same thing themselves when it suited them. Not that Republicans have ever been swayed by their own words or actions in the past, but if they're gonna make those arguments, we should at least be able to reflect back to them their own stance on it. And none of this, by the way, is to say that D.C. statehood wouldn't benefit Democrats because it clearly would, but for Republicans to be the ones pointing to that is either historical ignorance or shameless hypocrisy or some combination of the two. The fact is that Republicans have benefited from a system for over 100 years wherein they're able to wield outsized power despite the fact that Senate Republicans consistently and constantly represent millions fewer Americans than Senate Democrats. The inherent advantage that Republicans enjoy couldn't be more obvious, but at the end of the day, what you can't justify is denying almost 700,000 Americans their right to representation in our federal government. Before you go, if you enjoyed this video and want to see more, please make sure to subscribe to my channel. You can click the thumbnail right here on this screen. And if you want to support my work even further, the best way is to subscribe to my podcast, No Lie with Brian Tyler Cohen. There you can check out my interviews with major players in the world of politics, including President Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg, Elizabeth Warren, Katie Porter, Jamie Raskin, and so many more. Plus, other interviews that live exclusively on the podcast. That link is also right here on the screen, or just search No Lie with Brian Tyler Cohen wherever you listen to podcasts. A massive 7.8 magnitude earthquake rocked Turkey and Syria. Families in Syria and Turkey are without shelter, water, or power in the midst of freezing temperatures. The earthquake is another devastating blow to families after years of conflict. Here's how you can help. The IRC teams on the ground provide life-saving health care Protection and early recovery support. Your emergency gift can make a difference. And for mm-hmm. a limited time, all first monthly gifts will be matched.
3: That would be a great thing to uh, apply for. IRC. I, I applied for the like at a college, out of Berkeley. <coughs> kind of similar to what I was interested in. So it's like medical attention. See here won't you hit <laughs> a little so I am uh <laughs> This <laughs> is I'm just reading, um, this is my, uh, this, today's, okay, I want to get organized, and tonight I'm going to be practicing slash performing to get ready for my performance tomorrow at 5 p.m. at Airport. Anyway, so, you want evidence of Trump-Russia collusion? Glenn Kirshner points out that there were 140, 140 contacts between Trump campaign and Russian officials. Duh! So that means you Magatards that you believed his 40,000 lies while president and you are essentially a Nazi sympathizer and apologist. All 74 million people who voted for Trump in the 2020 election, which he still hasn't conceded, which in my book is yet another form of treason and sedition based on zero evidence. Zero evidence, but somehow that doesn't get through to you, especially if you're in the echo chamber of the Fox OAN Newsmax echo chamber of fascist right-wing propaganda. Wake the F up, people. Demand your Department of Justice charge Trump with insurrection, treason, terrorism, or any of a million other charges he has provided a mountain of evidence for. I know that he reads Adolf Hitler speeches. They're on his bedside table, so it's the only thing he reads for pleasure. People, a fucking Nazi blatant, outright, full-on, unrepentant Nazi. You dipshits! I'll have uh, um, well, Nazi. Um, you know, so it doesn't flag. I put an at sign instead of an a. Um, and uh, you dipshits, it's it's just D star. You know, maybe they think it says you dicks. I'll have you know that if I had to choose between him and Hillary Clinton at that time, I had no idea I, I no idea he could be so downright evil, but it was a disastrous appointments to his cabinets for me. That was a huge red flag or the Muslim travel ban which that, which is effing unconstitutional. You idiots, oh my God, OMG, tell your Department of Justice to take him into custody for any of a zillion crimes he committed on national TV. Hidden in plain sight, get off your morbidly obese keisters, all of you, and do your job as an American. Call your DOJ, 202-514-2000. Do it every day until they effing indict this shithead. And tell him, don't forget to charge, tell tell them, don't forget to charge all the Republicans in Congress as insurrectionists. So, we can remove them all from office. We have a constitution in this country. Section 3, 14th Amendment says absolutely no insurrectionists are allowed to run for office or hold public office. So, law and order, motherfuckers. Congress is the only one who can do this. Congress needs to get rid of all those bad apples. But if you sit on your lazy, fat, morbidly obese ass like two thirds of other Americans, then we shall slip deeper into a fascistic, totalitarian, society, and that's uh,
2: on a highway to hell.
3: Thunder. (laughs) So yeah, that was my little piece. Down and out. Down, down, down.
5: There's no help, no help from you. But the sound of the
3: drums. The beat in my heart. The thunder of guns. Tell me about. Thunder's truck. Come on, Trista, you need to uh, practice. Oh, no, kitty, fuck off, kitty. No it means you, Magatards, believed forty K lies. Oh So I'm cutting it down and...